let me reintroduce myself again. My name is Chris Cooper. Um, I'm the RUF campus minister at North Carolina Central University. Um, also on staff here at Christ Central Church. Um, man, if you're new here, we're grateful that you're here to worship with us. And to those who come regularly, man, I'm just glad to be with family um, and, and be able to uh, give you the preach word today. Um, before we get to the particular verse in 1 Peter 4th chapter, um, 12 verse, if you want to get there. Um, I just want to give you a little background on what's happening before I start reading. Um, at this particular moment, as Peter is putting the pen to, to the inspired text, um, he wrote a letter to some Christians, the church, and these Christians are dealing with persecution and suffering. What is happening is uh, the Roman Empire, Roman officials, um, Roman citizens are actually tormenting them. They're they're persecuting them, they're making fun of them, they're bringing them to trial, trumping up charges on them, convicting them, lying on them. And because of this, uh, the Christians in the particular area, man, they're just feeling uneasy. They, they don't know how to feel, what to do. Um, and, and many times they're, they're just looking for a word. Now think about that. If you lived in those strenuous situations, not only will you feel uneasy with the tension that's going on in your community, but, but how do you react with that stress? How do you react with that suffering? Are you teaching, or are you living with your brothers and sisters of the faith and are you loving on them or are you taking out your frustration on each other? That's something to think about. So I want you to think about that in your life um, as we read this text. Is it outside influencing, causing you to suffer? And how are you reacting? Is it causing you um, to not love your brother and sister who is right next to you? So let's get into the scripture. It, it is 1 Peter, 4th chapter. And, and we'll begin at the 12th verse. Please stand. And it reads, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler, Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. It says in God's word that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Let's feast on this bread of life this morning. Let us pray. Father God, we're just grateful that you allowed us, man, to live at this very moment, that you put breath in our bodies, Father God. Holy Spirit, do the work you are designed to do. Man, be a light unto our pathway and a lamp unto our feet um, as we walk down dark paths. Holy Spirit, soften the hearts of men 
and let the word of God, which is the seed, be firmly rooted in our hearts so that we may be a tree producing fruit, not for our glory, but for your glory alone. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. As we look at the text this morning in the 12th verse, Peter says something to me that is absolutely amazing as we know the context of the text, right? You would think that if you were going through this suffering that is happening, if you were a Christian and it seems like things are influencing you to be uneasy, to, to, to kind of be timid, and, and, and it's causing you, you know what I mean, great pain, you, you would think as a Christian, like, Lord, I follow you. Like, I'm with you, Lord. Well, how come it can't be that easy? Why don't you take the suffering away? Why, why don't you take the pain away? I didn't know that if I followed the will of God that I would have to go through so many things, right? So, so, so they're going through these things, and, 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 and Peter says something. He says in the 12th verse, he, he goes on to say, beloved, which is a term of endearment, which say, hey, man, I'm saying this because I love you. He says, do not be surprised. At the fiery trial which comes upon you to test you as though something ha were happening um, as strange, right? He doesn't say God is going to take the suffering away. He doesn't say that life won't happen and you're just going to be dealing with some things because you walk in Christ. He tells us, hey, do not be surprised that suffering comes upon you as a Christian. He said it's normal. We should be expecting that thing. We should, when we're buckling down, growing in God's word, we should know that suffering is going to happen because we're living by the word of God. You know how I know this to be true? Because God tells us to be imitators of him, to follow Jesus. Now think of Jesus, right? Jesus Christ, he was a suffering savior. He walked this earth and it told us in John that he was the light made into flesh. Yet man wanted darkness, they didn't even honor him. His own community uh, disowned him as they didn't even believe in who he was. They just saw him as a carpenter. He, he took some lashes on his back. He, he was mocked as, as the uh, Romans put the sign upon the cross and mocked him and said, this is supposed to be the king of the Jews, right? He was mocked, talked about, falsely accused. He was lied upon. He dealt with suffering. As Christians, guess what? We also deal with the sufferings of Christ. We bear the cross. We die daily. So guess what? It's normalcy to us that the world just thinks we're strange, that the world just thinks we're foreign, and that we're going to go through some things because we walk according to the will of God. He said, look, man, when you do this, when, when, when you partake in Christ's sufferings, when, when people are talking about you, when people are lying about you, understand that you should be rejoiced. You should rejoice and be glad. He said, you should rejoice and be glad and know that God rests upon you. Now, to me, that just doesn't make sense. Because after you persecute me so many times, I'm a man up. And I'm going to be like, you just not going to keep doing this to me. And if somebody's causing me suffering, a part of me wants to have a little bit of vengeance on them. But Peter said, look, man, rejoice in the time of suffering. Be glad in the time of suffering. See, us as Christians, what we want to do is, as we're experiencing suffering, right, we're like, we know it's a storm right now, but the sun is going to shine afterwards. 
we usually celebrate after the suffering is over. But in the text, he's letting us know, no, I need you to rejoice and be glad within the suffering while it's happening in your life. You, you need to have a smile. You, you need to be filled with Jesus and a joy that's unimaginable. You, you need to have love. You need to have those things while you're bearing the heaviness of the suffering that you are going through. You're probably wondering, how do I do this? Like, like, how am I supposed to rejoice and be glad when on every level of my life something seems to be bothering me, frustrating me, causing me not to rejoice, suffering? Well, well, well God says this, man, in Romans 8, 18, he lets us know. He says, look, for I consider that the suffering of this present time are nothing worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed for us. You have something that nobody else has, and that's hope in Jesus Christ, the Savior. You have hope in him. He lets us know that he's with us every step of the way. We have Christ now as we walk in this present life, and he's continually to prepare us as we walk with him into eternity. That the suffering is not just for anything, but it's purifying us and leading us to the Father to be with him in the blessed state once we leave this earth. You have hope in Jesus so you can rejoice and be glad in him as you go through your suffering. As you go through your suffering. But I love how, how, what Peter goes into next around the 15th verse, right? He tells us, look through your suffering, you rejoice and be glad. God rest on you, right? And then, you know, some Christians, man, they, they probably could take this to the extreme. They could say, you know what, since, since, you know, I'm going through suffering, let me just go out there and make this irrational decision, an unreasonable decision so I can bring more suffering upon me. And show that I'm, I'm dwelling in Christ's suffering. But Peter says you got to suffer for the right reasons. Check out the 15th verse. He says, but let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or yet as a meddler. If, yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. Now, on a human-to-human -human level, right, if somebody, Christian or not, was to go out there and murder somebody, was to go out there and rob somebody or, or do evil or spread evil, we would hold them accountable, correct? We would say, you know what, if they got caught and, and evidence determined that they did it, that at, by the law, you, you know, you're probably going to go to jail. You, you're going to suffer some things because you got a penalty that you actually deserve, right? So we hold people accountable to moral things, to the law. We hold people accountable because we expect them to do better. Well, what I love about this scripture is, you know, it's not telling us as Christians to go out there and add suffering onto ourselves, it's not telling us, you know what, since I want to suffer with Christ, let me go rob somebody today and then go through it and say, yeah, I'm suffering for the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I'm partaking in his suffering. No, the suffering we go through is by being obedient to the word of God, following his commandments because we love the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. 
The, the, the reason we go through persecution is because we have Christ's viewpoint through the scripture, through our way of living, through the scripture. It's because we're following him with our whole heart, mind, and soul. That's why we go through suffering. We don't go through suffering when we make fleshful decisions, lusts of our eyes and, and desires of our flesh and, and sinful ways, and that suffering comes upon us. Why? Because that's on you. You brought that suffering upon yourself. He goes on as we get through the verses, and he says, look, let me tell you something, Christians. I know you're being mistreated, but judgment starts at, at the house of God. That's a strong saying, right? Because when you say judgment, people lose their mind, right? If I say you will be judged today, they'd be like, don't judge me. When I was young, man, I used to listen to rap all the time. And all the rappers I listened to, they had their favorite line. It was like, only God can judge me. And the whole verse would be something that has nothing to do with God. They'd be like, don't judge me, but only God can judge me. And I used to think to myself, I wish I had, you know, what's that with the staples button or something where you can go, you can click it and then you just pop up. And I wanted to just push it and put them in front of God and see what happened. Right? And so, so judgment makes people uneasy. But in this sense, what Peter was telling us in the scripture was like, look, as Christians, if we follow in the word of God, guess what? You have to be held accountable towards the word of God. He's challenging us as Christians of God to hold each other accountable in, in living the good life we've been talking about for the months past, right? Be merciful when, when it seems like mercy is not granted. Be loving beyond an unimaginable love. Share the love of Christ. Love on people. Hold each other accountable to that. Hold each other accountable to being generous with one another, with outsiders. Hold each other accountable to that. Hold each other accountable to living according to the scriptures. Let me make it a little bit plain to you. When I was 22, just got out of college, um, I was running a youth group um, at my home church. And it was called the camp. It was called Children Achieving the Master's Purpose, right? Love this group, man. This is my peoples. Uh, and, and it was a group with like 15 to 19-year-olds. And they were crazy, and they were sit in the back of the church, right? Because every team sits in the back of the church, away from their parents. So they're probably doing something they're not supposed to be doing. And these teams are act up, man. I would look back, um, they'd be laughing, joking. You know, some of the service would be funny, or they would be talking about somebody, man. They're just being teenagers. But I love them for it because they're honest. Um, just like college students, I love them because they're honest. So some, some people would go back, and they would correct them, right? They would say, hey, you need to, you need to stop acting like that. Or they would give them some scripture. Y'all know you're supposed to be living like Christ. This ain't Christ-like. Um, no joke. So they would look at them, and because they were raised right, they would respect them. They, they would stop. But then you could see in their body language, especially in their faces, they was like, man, I ain't trying to listen to this person. Um, and I'm... Just using an example here, I'm just using myself. I don't believe me, I, I, I'm a work in progress just like everybody else. Um, when I would go back, I would see the kids automatically all of a sudden like freeze and, and tell each other like, stop talking, stop talking. Like, don't, don't act the fool, here comes Chris. And they would call me Pastor Boat. My nickname is Boat. So they would be like, yo, Pastor Boat is coming. 
Like, we need, to, we need to start acting right. So one day I was talking to him, and I said, look, man, I see y'all uh, have this reaction to certain people, but then you act differently with me. Why is that? So my, my little sis, her name is Jasmine back home. She gets up, raises her hand. You know, she commanded the attention of everybody in the room. It was so funny because they usually don't do that. And, and she goes on to say, she says, Man, we make those faces towards those people who walk by because guess what, Chris? They're in the same parties I'm in. Guess what, Chris? That, that we see them in the section of the city where, where nothing about God is happening, and they tend to stay there uh, for a very long time. Guess what, Chris, man? I don't see them reading their word. I don't see them trying to grow. They just satisfied with telling us to look like Jesus, but I don't see Jesus in them. So I make that face, how are you going to tell me to live like a Christian, but you ain't living yourself? And, and then she said, but you, Chris, and I, I'm not worthy of this. They, they put me on a pedestal. You, Chris, we, we see you trying. We, we, we don't see you in places you used to be. We, we don't see you in those spots. We don't see you in the same parties as us. We see you reading the scripture. You, you come and you're teaching you, us. And guess what? You have integrity. You have character. And we see Christ in you. So we respect that. What I'm telling you is, you never know who's watching. The reason accountability happens in the church that we encourage one another, that we humble ourselves and under the word of God and that we uplift each other because we know we're broken. But guess what? It even says in the scripture that the saved are scarcely saved. We're broken individuals, and by God's grace and his love for us, we actually walk with him, for him, and he upholds us. And guess what? People are holding us accountable. They're holding us accountable by the way we live. By the way we live. Now, I know this can be a heavy burden, right? It, it can add a lot of weight to you, right? You're probably saying, Chris, man, you're telling us that we're supposed to rejoice and be glad while we're going through this suffering we're going through. You're telling me, man, that guess what? I have to be accountable uh, to individuals, that we have to encourage each other. I don't know. That's a little too heavy. I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can bear that burden or that cross. I just can't live up to it. This is why the 19th verse is so important to us as Christians. It goes on to say, therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. You want to know how you bear that cross, that weight, that burden, and die daily? You want to know how you have, you know, rejoice and be glad while dealing with the suffering, whether it's in your marriage, whether it's at work, whether it's just dealing with your inner self and your low self-esteem, or whether it's with the culture, whether it's with materialism, whether it's with finances, whatever it may be, how, how you can just deal with that thing, rejoice and be glad while it's calling you suffering. You entrust your soul to a faithful God who is our creator. You entrust your soul. Think about it. Jesus went through more than you. 
We, we entrust our soul to a suffering Savior who dealt with abandonment, who didn't have a house to sleep in. He was homeless. We, we dealt with a suffering Savior who dealt with temptations from the devil himself where he could have fell into. We deal with a Savior where the Roman citizens mocked him. His own people plotted to, get, to kill him. We dealt with a suffering Savior who got lashes on his back, spear in his side, thorns on his head. We deal with a suffering Savior who said, Father, Father, why'd you turn back on me? And we dealt with a suffering Savior who went through the curse of sin, put it upon himself just to save us, to save me and you. And he saved us, and we call him the Prince of Peace, to give us a peace beyond our understanding. Uh, he, he's the individual who said he'll never leave us nor forsake you. He's forever with us as we walk through the suffering together. He's the same Jesus who reconciled us. He's the same Jesus that gives us grace in our time of weakness. And he's the same Jesus who says, all you have to do is entrust your souls to me. See, in the scripture, it's Jeremiah 18. And I love this particular chapter. And Jeremiah is talking about the clay at the potter's house. Right? Now, my son, Andrew, he plays with clay. Clay is just some wet dirt. It drives me nuts because it gets on the table, all on the floor, and you got to clean it um, after he's done with it. But, but as he's dealing with the clay, my son, he has it in his hands, and he's continuing to, like, work it out. He, he's molding it. He, he's, he's, he's making some form. He, he loves animals, so it's usually an animal. It's like an earthworm. It's, it's like... Um, if it's not an earthworm, he loves spiders. So it's like some Brazilian venomous eclectical spider that I never heard of. And I'm like, Lord, help me. I need to watch National Geographic every day because I'm struggling here. And, and what he's doing is he's creating something beautiful that he sees worth in. And he's saying, I want to show you, Dad. I want to show you how much I love this thing. Well, think about you going through suffering when you rest in the Savior's hands and you are the clay. And while you're going through, he's just working on you. He, he, he's just perfecting you. He's just purifying you. He, he's just molding you into what he wants to see, and he's doing it until you leave this earth to be glorified with him and in his presence forever. And he's doing this so that you can look like him while on earth, while being with him when you leave earth. Your Savior has you. Jesus said, just entrust your souls to me. I'm making something beautiful. I'm going to leave you with this nugget, and I'm done. I, I'm done. I, I, look, I think one of the greatest examples of having joy, rejoicing, and be glad through suffering is the place where I was born and where I came from, the African-American church. From the time I was born and crying and being told to be quiet in service, respect the house of God, to the very moment that I stand here right now, I was firmly entrenched in theology that dealt with rejoicing in suffering. Well, when you're in the African-American church, the one thing you're going to understand is that we're going to suffer as a people, as a community, because if you look throughout our history, we're just going to deal with some things that just doesn't seem right, that just doesn't seem fair. And also through that, it equates to us as Christians 
that not only do we suffer as a community in the world, but guess what? As Christians, we're going to suffer also by carrying the cross of Christ. It correlates to each other. It makes perfect sense to me because of the, what we deal with as a community, right? So in dealing with this, we developed some songs that are absolutely amazing. And I just want to give you this song, kind of explain it to you and see how it can help you grow in grace. So we have this song, right? It starts with a clap, and then we just have that, you know, that toe tap. It's going, right? So we get the beat. It will work well in this church. With these woods, boy, we be getting it, right? And then there's a song from Vicky Winans, and I just want to give you the words. So everybody's up clapping, rejoicing, and let me give you the words of what this song says. It says, I've been lied on, cheated, talked about, mistreated. I've been used, scorned, talked about, sore as born. I've been up, down, almost to the ground. So we're literally rejoicing and celebrating with a great beat. Everybody's up. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And the whole song is about suffering. The whole song is about how, how we've been misused, how we've been stomped to the ground, how, how we've been lied on, how we've been given trumped-up charges. Hey, hey, let it speak in your life. It's some things in your life. Maybe it's abandonment, whatever it may be. The whole song is about suffering, but we up just clapping and stomping and saying, hey, we got joy despite this. But then the best part of the song, right, is the hook. It gets to the hook, and all the hook is, is as long as I have King Jesus. Then we say it again, as long as I have King Jesus. And then we say it a third time, as long as I have King Jesus. I don't need nothing else. I don't need anything else. This whole song embodies our walk. You go through suffering. But guess what? You want to know why we're passionate? You want to know why sometimes we're crying and, and sometimes we're, we're just loving it and we're just praising him? Because Jesus is the epic center of our lives. It should be for you. Yes, we go through suffering. All of us have something that we're suffering about. But if Jesus... It's the epicenter of your lives. The joy of the Lord is your strength. He'll carry you. And you'll learn to be like a baby with a mom. You'll just cradle up in her arms. <laughs> you'll just kind of relax and lay on her bosom, hear her heartbeat, and you just know everything will be okay. And I'm telling you today, be like the baby that's cradled in the arms of a loving Savior named Jesus Christ. Relax yourself. Give your soul. Yes, you've been lied on, accused. You've been talked about, abused. You've been dealing with some suffering things. But guess what? Make him the center of your life. Rest in him and know that he has you and he loves you and he will bring you through. Amen. Let us pray. Father God, we're just grateful. We're, we're, we're grateful and humble at the fact that you just love broken individuals, Father God. That, that you're just always there, man, in our time of need. That you see us as we're 
suffering. You, you see us, man, as we're going through different stresses, whether it's in marriage, whether it's in health, <laughs> whether it's in friendship, relationships, whether it's with self-esteem, whether it's certain areas of our life, Father God, we know that you can relate, but we also know that we can rest in you and know that you love us beyond it all. Grant us grace, Father God, in our time of weakness when we just want to throw in the towel and give up. When we just want to say, you know what, Father, it's not worth it, Father God. Come in and wrap your loving arms around us. Let, let us feel you and know that you are there. Father God, we love you. And we pray that the word will be rooted within us. In Jesus' name, amen.